trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Well, hello there and welcome to the show. Yes, the battle for your mind is a real thing. And on this show, I won't tell you what to think, but I will invite you to think more clearly and more independently about the world around us. So if you're a uh, longtime wrong thinker or somewhat uh, freedom curious, just checking it out for the first time, I'm encouraging you to come find courage and camaraderie among your fellow wrong thinkers. And I'm encouraging you to claim your heritage as a free individual. It's a lot of fun. We've got some great things to share with you today. Our program is brought to you by great sponsors like the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage, also lifesavingfood.com and monticellocollege.org. You know, yesterday I spent a pretty fair amount of time talking about the fourth turning model of cycles of history. And I've got an excellent follow-up column that, uh, that a friend sent after listening to the show yesterday. I want to thank Ruben for passing this on to me because this is from Jim Quinn. You heard me mention him. And he has been an excellent economist, analyst, looking at current events. Now, I'll tell you, Jim takes a pretty, pretty hard view of a lot of these things. In other words, he's not trying to spin it for the, you know, the here's the silver lining and here's the good news of what's going on. He flat will tell you, you know, this is this is where it's coming off the rails. But he also does a wonderful job of holding it up against that uh, template of how these turnings shake out. I thought you might appreciate this one. Because it's it's so because it has proven so essential to consolidating and maintaining power over the masses. Jim Quinn is warning us that the war on COVID will never end. And I don't think that's such a radical thing to say, by the way. I, I mean, it's not it's not like, oh, wow, well, that's just, that's what crazy, you know, conspiracy freaks are going to th- be thinking. No, you can, you can look at the track record of the last uh, year and a half, and it seems pretty clear that every time normal or getting back to normal is, is offered as incentive, this is why we all need to mask up, this is why we all need to uh, flatten the curve, here's why we need to get the shot. The goalpost moves every single time. And what we've learned is that, uh, you know, by invoking public health emergency, that's the cheat code with which people in authority believe they can safely set aside any limits on their power. And it's worked extremely well. It's worked so much better than it should have. That's, that's the only really discouraging part. But let's start with <clears throat> let's start with Jim Quinn. He uh, blogs on the burningplatform.com. And he actually starts with a scripture. This is from Galatians chapter 6. Be not deceived. Sorry, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. Well, the one who sows to please the spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. 
Let us not become weary in doing good for all, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Okay, so there's some encouragement there. Now, this is going to seem like a weird juxtaposition. Then he follows up <laughs> with, uh, with a quote from George Carlin. What? From the Bible to George Carlin? Listen to what Carlin has to say. George Carlin says, I have certain rules I live by. My first rule, I don't believe anything the government tells me. Sooner or later, the people in this country are going to realize the government does not give a dang about them. Sorry, I'm editing a little bit here. The government doesn't care about you or your children or your rights or your welfare or your safety. It simply doesn't give a flying you-know-what about you. It's interested in its own power. That's the only thing keeping it and expanding it wherever possible. Now, in a previous article, Jim Quinn had written, it was called Cascade of Consequences. He says, I attempted to make the case the ruthless billionaire oligarchs and their bought-off lackey whores in government, media, academia, corporations, the military-industrial complex, sick care industry, and Federal Reserve have used this engineered COVID pandemia to further consolidate and expand their wealth, power, and control over a frightened, willfully ignorant, compliant populace. Did I mention that Jim Quinn doesn't mince words? Okay, just thought I would double-check that. He says, in the month since that article... The powers that be have ramped up the fear, increased their coercive mandates, reinstated mask mandates, and instituted vaccine passports in liberal bastion cities across America. Now, Quinn says, I see these ham-handed authoritarian dictates as a sign of weakness and their false narrative falling apart. He says, a sense of desperation wafts from the halls of power in D.C., Corporate executive suites, the left-wing media outlets on the coasts who've overplayed their tyrannical hand, yeah, they're all feeling it. Resistance is building among an irate minority of critical-thinking individuals who follow George Carlin's first rule. Don't trust anything the government is telling you. Now, he says the narrative is unraveling as everything they have avowed to be true is revealed to be false. No matter how many truth-tellers Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube censor, deplatform, and suppress, there are many more stepping up and destroying their mendacious, provably false plotline. Despite half the country indoctrinated by the government education system to feel rather than think, still shuddering in fear despite being double-jabbed, voluntarily locked down, and masked, he says the elite, the global elite game plan is self-destructing under the weight of an avalanche of deceptions. Despite an all-out authoritarian fear campaign to mandate these unproven, dangerous gene therapies disguised as vaccines, orchestrated by our corrupt political class, bought-off medical industry, big tech censorship media outlets, woke mega corporations, cowardly universities, and left-wing fake news propaganda outlets. More than 40% of the population is resisting this tyrannical medical apartheid. Now, this past week, he says, had a surreal quality as false narrative after false narrative was annihilated by unequivocal facts presented by a minority of truth-seeking bloggers. This includes uncaptured doctors like Robert Malone, Pierre Corey, Martin Koldorf, and a few remaining real journalists like Glenn Greenwald, Tucker Carlson, Alex Berenson, and Joe Rogan. The mainstream media and their social media co-conspirators, he says, 
are nothing but highly compensated mouthpieces for the deep state, big pharma, and billionaire oligarchs calling the shots. Jim Quinn says the resistance is coming from alternative media websites, independent bloggers, and individuals seeking the truth. Online communities of like-minded individuals are doing the are the uh, modern-day committees of correspondence, if you will, as we head towards an inevitable conflict. Now he doesn't mince words here either. He says a revolution is in the offing, and those trapped in their own cognitive dissonance trance with a dash of normalcy bias are going to be shocked out of their self-induced stupor by the suddenness and extreme violence of the pushback set in motion by the power elite. Now, he says these global sociopath tyrants actually believe they can dictate and control the actions of 7 billion human beings through their capture of politicians, the military, universities, corporations, the banking system, the media, and now the medical industrial complex. He says the maniacal determination of controlling the levers of power behind the scenes to coerce these experimental gene therapies upon the populations of the developed world should make any critical thinking person pause and ask why. Now, Jim Quinn reminds us this flu has a 99.7% survival rate and a fatality rate less than the current annual flu, less than the annual flu, rather, for those under 21. But universities are mandating vaccination to attend their $60,000 per year woke indoctrination centers to get a degree in gender fluidity studies. Meanwhile, with vaccination rates of 98% on campuses, cases from the worthless uh, recalled PCR test are surging. Big pharma captured vax cheerleaders in the medical and media industry do not allow the facts to interfere with their scripted narrative. Their solution, vax harder and blame those who choose to let their immune systems do their job for the surge in cases. And he says, why not go with the big lie? It's worked so well thus far. Now, I'm going to come back to this on the other side of the break. And again, there's Jim, Jim Quinn is one who just doesn't uh, sugarcoat anything that he's saying. So don't get too caught up in the fact, well, boy, he sounds angry. Therefore, none of this could be true. I think he's possibly one of the most accurate commentators out there. But yeah, he he does not go with sugarcoating anything. Which again, to me, is one of the strengths of what he does. Stick around. We'll be back right after this. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, we are back. Hey, I'd like to encourage you, please check out the show notes that I publish each day that I do this program. You'll find them at thebrianhydeshow.com. That's pretty simple, right? So in today's show notes, I'm including an essay here from Jim Quinn, writing on theburningplatform.com. And his take is, hey, the COVID war or this war on COVID, rather, will never end. And I know that sounds pessimistic to some people, like, well, gee, thanks a lot. We were hoping that everything would get back to normal. It's been very hard for me to accept this. I mean, it has really been difficult for me to to come to terms with the idea that we're not going back to normal. But I believe this is true. 
And so that leaves us the choice, okay, so what are we going to do? How will we adapt if what we thought was normal and what was comfortable is no longer within reach? And maybe we'll be out of reach for, you know, the foreseeable future, possibly, you know, for the rest of our lives. Well, I'm not going to wilt like a freshly picked flower because, you know, things aren't going my way. In fact, if I can just get a little philosophical here for just, just a second. I think it's very possible that uh, we are standing at a crossroads that, uh, that none of us really would have chosen to stand at, but nonetheless, we're there. It's, this, is a, this is historic. There are things going on right now that uh, I'm sure the history books, people are going to read the history books someday and just be like, wow. How did they not see, you know, where this was all headed? But I think it's an honor that you and I have some role to play in whatever it is that's shaking out. And again, I don't think any of us would have chosen this. Things have been tough for the last year and a half. Mentally, I think we all feel the weight. We wonder, am I up to, you know, this challenge ahead of us? I, and I'm not trying to be a downer here, but it's going to get tougher. I believe it really will. So rather than sitting there wringing my hands, oh, what can I do? What can I do? Government, help me. I'm just carefully and consistently doing everything I can to create things that will will be worthwhile, that will bolster my self-reliance, that will help me to stand on my own feet. But most importantly, I am looking for the opportunities to make whatever difference I was born to make. And I'm telling you this not because I'm so important that, yes, I'm going to make a difference. You were born to make a difference as well. And I mean a difference that only you can make. So rather than shrink from it and just wish for what was, and man, I wish things could go back to the way that they were. It's uh, as, as your friends in the military would tell you, it's time to embrace the suck and just you move forward through it. But if you can move forward through it with the understanding that you have purpose, there's something you can do. There's some way that you will improve the world that's yours alone. It makes it a lot easier. In fact, it almost makes it somewhat of an adventure. How's that for weird? Back to Jim Quinn's column. The war on COVID will never end. He says, truthfully, cases peaked in early January at 260,000 cases per day. Now, we've had, what, nine months <laughs> or eight months since then to, to try and, and uh, make sense of what's happening. But he says, miraculously, with virtually no one vaccinated at that time, daily cases fell by 60% in the next month to just 110,000 per day. By early March, with just a 10% national vaccination rate, daily cases fell by another 40%, down to 64,000, down 75% from the January peak. His point is the vaccine had absolutely nothing to do with this decline in cases. And by early summer, this pandemic had lost its mojo. The threat of a return to normal was unthinkable to the power elite. Now, their master plan called for the vaccination of all. But less than 50% of the adult population had succumbed to the fear propaganda campaign. So it was time for Biden and his controllers to turn up the heat on corporations, hospitals and universities to enforce vaccine mandates by either bribing them with federal funds or threatening to withhold federal funds. 
It works the same. Money talks, and this unconstitutional demand that employees and students inject themselves with an untested chemical concoction to retain their jobs or get an education is legally, morally, and medically unethical, violating the Nuremberg Code. By the way, do you know what the Nuremberg Code says? This is just, you know, for sake of clarity. The Nuremberg Code states informed consent is absolutely essential. It also states qualified researchers use appropriate research designs. It requires favorable risk-benefit ratios, and the participant must be free to stop at any time. Now, Jim Quinn's take is, hey, they, they invented their new variant, Delta, and rolled out our present-day Mengele, mass murderer Anthony Fauci, to lie, obfuscate, and instill fear in his feeble-minded worshippers. Day after day, Fauci appeared on the fake news networks promoting his new variant, which many renowned doctors, including one of the inventors of the mRNA vaccines, Dr. Robert Malone, theorize has been created and made more infectious by the vaccines. Are they that diabolical or just plain stupid? Natural immunity through infection has proven to be 20 times as effective as the vaccines. Now, in this case, Jim Quinn says with a huge surge in testing, they were able to generate an increase in cases, but with 50% less hospitalizations and deaths than when cases were at the same level in January. And now the cases have peaked on the same timeline as India and UK experienced in June and July. He says, this explains the desperate nature of their actions. As their window of opportunity is closing and their fear narrative unravels, there are millions of people beginning to make a stand against the government and employer authoritarian mandates. Now, this past week has not been a good one for the purveyors of pandemia, as their storyline collapses under the weight of their duplicity. The entire case for vaccinations, not the revisionist history case being made today, was that they were 96% effective in keeping you from contracting the COVID virus. Yeah, In January, that's what we were told by the experts like Fauci and Walensky. They didn't tout the vaccines as a way to reduce the symptoms when you caught it after being vaccinated. The surge in cases was declared to be a pandemic of the unvaccinated in the shame campaign peddled by the fake news media and government apparatchiks spouting provable falsities. And it seems Israel has become ground zero in destroying the globalist narrative. As the first country to mass vaccinate with over 84% fully vaccinated, how could 86% of all the cases in July be among the vaxxed if the vaccinations work? And the tripe about uh, the cases not being as severe has been destroyed as the vaxxed are being hospitalized and they are dying too. Whatever you see the MSM or the mainstream media using the term rare, you can be sure they're lying. Now, there's a, there are charts that he uses to back this up and they will show you. Israel's confirmed cases from July 4th to July 31st. Percentage of the population fully vaccinated, 84.4%. They go through the various age groups, but look, I'm not trying to shake your faith in the vaccine if you've had it, but can we at least admit something isn't adding up here? And it really was sold as, well, this is going to be 96% effective. You know, this is back in early in the year when the vaccine was still pretty new. It doesn't look like it shook out that way. And we haven't even talked about uh, ivermectin or some of the other, you know, uh, therapeutic ways of approaching COVID when somebody gets it. 
So I've got to pump the brakes here. We're coming up on our break here. We'll come back to Jim Quinn's essay. Again, you can read this in its entirety in my show notes at thebrianhideshow.com. And listen, while you're in those show notes, can I just suggest, take a moment, click on lifesavingfood.com. This is a great time to just bolster your food storage program. I don't know what's coming down the pike, but I know I'm going to need food. Food with a 25-year shelf life, now that would be a real blessing, especially, you know, we're talking good, easy to to prepare food. Just add water. Check it out, lifesavingfood.com. Use the coupon code HIDE when you check out and save 10% on your purchase. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Sharing with you this article from Jim Quinn. This was originally published on theburningplatform.com. The war on COVID will never end. Now, I know this is going to sound like bad news to some people, but uh, this it's not bad news if it's simply looking at the reality of what is and, you know, assessing it for yourself and then deciding, okay, now I can see what, uh, what things really are and decide for myself what's the best way forward. The bad news would be, well, here's the way it is, and you have no choice but to do as you're told. You know that's not true. You always have a choice. Jim Quinn says, A critical thinking person may wonder which country on this chart is fully vaxxed and which country is, has very few vaxxed but distributed ivermectin in mass quantities. And he shows, uh, he has a chart here, um, I believe this is from, I'm trying to see, I, the, the fine print is very, very small. Anyway, he says the powers that be don't want people to see this chart, because if it's posted on Facebook or Twitter, the odds of a permanent ban are high. In other words, you post that, and it will get you not just a timeout, but you'll be, you'll be deplatformed, because facts and truth are treason in an empire of lies. He says, if you really want to make a Vax proponent's head explode, bring up the country that did the opposite of the Soros, Gates, Schwab, authoritarian lockdown formula. That would be the black sheep, Sweden. Remember, they never locked down. They never mandated masks. They never closed their schools. They never closed their businesses. They didn't push vaccines on those who choose not to vaccinate. Cases in Israel with with mask mandates and vaccine passports are one thousand one hundred ninety one percent higher than Sweden, where no one is wearing masks and there are no vaccine passports. How inconvenient to the establishment narrative. Since they can't deny these facts, they just don't allow Sweden or India to be discussed. Silence is complicity. And then you have the Joe Rogan saga, which has again shattered their plot line of the Covidian cultists. Rogan had infuriated them previously by telling his young audience they don't need to be vaccinated. Their survival rate is 99.9975%. The cost-benefit analysis clearly comes down on the side of not getting vaxxed. And the 54-year-old unvaxxed Rogan caught COVID and treated himself with monoclonal antibodies, ivermectin, Z-Pak, prednisone, and NAD drip, and a vitamin D drip. He fully recovered in three days. Now, this was after a full court press of misinformation from the FDA, big pharma media whores, and Silicon Valley censorship police about ivermectin being a dangerous cow and horse medicine. 
despite this safe, life-saving drug being used by humans for decades and winning a Nobel Prize in medicine for its inventor in 2015, it had to be discredited in order to keep the vaccine train chugging along. 63 studies proving its efficacy in drastically reducing the impact of COVID had to be demeaned and derided. In other words, when you see this level of vitriol, you know the opposite must be true. So time to buy as much ivermectin as you can. Spoke with a friend the other day telling me about his brother getting COVID. Took ivermectin. This was with a doctor's prescription. The doctor prescribed him ivermectin. Within 24 hours, his cough was gone and he felt almost 100% better. Now, I know that's anecdotal. Well, it's not going to work for everybody. No, it won't work for everybody. But it appears to be working for enough people. It just makes you wonder, why would they suppress this or push back? You can't do this. This is not right. I mean, I have my own ideas, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I've got this figured out. One thing that I have to wonder about is how much money is at stake for the creators of these vaccines? Because it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like your auto insurance. Eric Peters always refers to the insurance mafia. You're right. You're gonna have this reckoning with the insurance mafia. You have to buy their product. It's the law. You get caught driving without having their product. Why you're in big trouble. That's one of the great things about to being in bed with government. You know, certain industries seem to do really, really well when the policy and the laws favor whatever it is they happen to be offering. Why would that not be true? For vaccine makers. Or are we supposed to believe, you know, that, well, no, really, they're just they're just philanthropic uh, organizations and uh, people who deeply love humanity and are just trying to do the right thing by their fellow citizens and and just, you know, making the world a better place. No, I don't think so. That doesn't mean they're, you know, diabolical, you know, 007, you know, arch nemesis kind of people either. They're not like some super villain. But let's let's not rule out human nature, which is, hey, there's a chance to make some money on this. Let's uh, let's make money. As Jim Quinn points out, the only thing that infuriates a vax disciple more than Sweden or Joe Rogan is the name Ron DeSantis. He continuously pushed back on the covid fear narrative, telling Fauci and Biden to shove their mandate and masking of children with no danger from covid. They were cheering the sur- on the surge in cases, praying for a mass casualty event in Florida to discredit DeSantis, as he appears to be the frontrunner in the 2024 presidential race against Cackling Kamala. Oops. But it seems the cases in Florida are crashing, down almost 50% in three weeks. There goes the death Santis memes on Twitter. The lefty control freaks are in a full frothing at the mouth, frenzy of hate, Reminiscent of Orwell's Two Minutes Hate, in which they vent their existential anguish and personal hatreds toward their politically expedient enemies, the unvaxxed. Meanwhile, in the leftist bastions of Oregon and Hawaii, the high vaccination rates and mandatory masking cases are soaring to all-time highs. And you don't hear that from reporters like Maddow or Acosta. Now universities are back in session with 95% or more of their campuses vaccinated. But the cases are exploding higher than last year at the same time. How could that be if vaccines work? Now, I'm sorry if this is causing you some discomfort, but these are questions that really need to be asked. Jim Quinn says the vax Nazis are losing the high ground rapidly. 
He says the vaccines don't keep you from contracting COVID. They don't keep you from spreading COVID. They don't reduce the viral load if you get COVID. They don't keep you from being hospitalized from COVID. They don't even ensure you will not die from COVID. As the narrative police like to say, it is rare that a vaxxed person dies from COVID or the vaccine. It is rare to have the adverse reaction to the jab. Of course, there have been more deaths and adverse reactions to these vaccines in eight months than all vaccines combined in the last 40 years. So there is that. Oh, and if you want to do something interesting, Google to see what is the largest penalty ever paid for criminal wrongdoing. I won't tell you the answer, but uh, it may surprise you to learn. Largest criminal penalty ever paid for criminal wrongdoing. Largest monetary penalty. Very interesting stuff. Jim Quinn says, last I checked, it was rare to die from COVID, unless you're really old or already sick with some other fatal ailment. Only 6% of all the COVID deaths were from COVID alone. Now, he says, I would classify 40,000 deaths in a population of 330 million to be pretty rare, and by any reasonable assessment should not have involved or invoked a planetary lockdown and mass vaccination of billions of people. I know my friend Steve, who crunches numbers for a living, will probably, uh, you know, take exception with this. But I'm, I'm grateful for that because I don't know if I agree with, with Quinn's numbers. It's only 40,000. I do believe that there is some selective reporting of numbers and fudging of the numbers. Did this person die with COVID? Well, yes, the COVID virus was present in their system. Okay, then that's what we're going to list it at. Uh, he was uh, he crashed his motorcycle. It's okay. He died with COVID. We'll count it as a COVID death. Oh, you think I'm joking? No, that's that's stuff that's actually been done. It's as if someone wants to inflate the numbers. I don't know to keep people in fear, to keep people, you know, un unbalanced and afraid, not knowing how bad is the disease. As Jim Quinn points out, this war on COVID is no different than our previous war on poverty or drugs or terrorism. All they do is give government more power over our lives, restrict our freedoms, strip our liberties, and abscond with more of our hard-earned dollars. As Orwell foresaw, these wars are never meant to be won, just as Big Pharma never wants to cure any disease. So he says this war on COVID will never end. The myriad of Greek letters exist that once they've milked Delta dry, there will be others. In fact, we're already being prepped for the dreaded, double, contagious, most dangerous moo variant. So we're approaching a point of no return. And if we don't resist now, his point is we may not get another chance. We maybe should consider what Alexander Solzhenitsyn said and how we burned in the camps later, thinking... What would things have been like if every security operative, when he went out at night to make an arrest, had been uncertain whether he would return alive and had to say goodbye to his family? Yeah, if you haven't been reading the Gulag Archipelago, I think you would find uh, some pretty good food for thought there. At the very least, you would recognize tyranny much more effectively. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. 
All right, welcome back to the show. Our program brought to you in part by the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. If you are purchasing a home anywhere in the state of Utah, whether you need a VA loan, a traditional loan, a reverse mortgage, maybe just want to refinance your existing mortgage, I want you to contact the Heather Turner team in St. George, Utah. You can call them at 435-703-4522. Heather's NMLS ID is 715-386. And you'll want to know that Patriot Home Mortgage is an equal housing opportunity lender. Heather's the one you want on your side to make things happen when time is of the essence. You know, like in the hottest real estate market that most any of us can remember. That's the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. There's a link in the show notes. It's an email link where you can contact her directly. So I'm, I'm going to leave the uh, Jim Quinn article. You can check this out for yourself. It is linked in the show notes at the Um, I, I got to say, Jim, Jim definitely, you know, he, he takes the pretty much the, the harsh view on this and says, you know, there's, there's nothing really good coming from, uh, from this power grab. He says, this is consistent with fourth turning dynamics. We have a series of crises that are unfolding in front of us right now. And as much as I want to believe it's all going to settle down and it's all going to go back to, you know, some degree of normal in my heart, I know that's not the case. So I don't tell you that to dishearten you or make you feel like it's all hopeless. We simply have to adjust to the reality that things, uh, the, the season of plentiful, you know, peaceful, easy life is is over. And that doesn't mean you can't be happy or that you can't be fulfilled, you know, in, in whatever difficulties we happen to be going through. These are historical cycles. They've happened before. That's the good news. They've happened before. They're survivable. But the kind of character that we possess as we go through them has more of an impact than you would think. If we have low character, if all we're doing is just kind of operating from, you know, our our lizard mind, you know, fight or flight. Yeah, that's that's not a good thing. You're going to see people overreact and do things that that aren't helpful. If we are thinking and acting consciously, doing whatever we can within our own little circle of influence to to uh, you know, shore ourselves up against, you know, a time of need or a time of of uh, you know, whatever. I think that's where the solution's going to be found, but it's it starts close to where you're standing. Let me just be really blunt. Spend less time obsessing about this political personality or that personality. I know people are like, if we can just hold on till the midterm elections, we're going to get this thing all straightened out. I don't think that's the case. I don't think the midterm elections are going to provide the solutions that some people are hoping for. Now, I'm not telling you disconnect from everything politically, but I'm going to tell you it's worth your time to evaluate how much time, effort, and moral energy you're devoting to political things. Because there are other aspects of life where you can be very effective. Politics is just, it's, it still comes down to, it's a contest to see who gets to tell the other what to do. It's that simple. That seems like kind of a loser's game. Don't play that game. All right, so Labor Day has come and gone. I just have a couple quick things here I wanted to share with you. Two columns that uh, that I wanted to uh, include in the show notes for your consideration. One of them is an article from Anthony Gill. Is it time to rethink Labor Day? 
And this gives some nice historical perspective. I, I mean, hey, I love a three-day weekend, right? I'm not going to turn down that chance to celebrate. But I didn't realize that Labor Day first was celebrated nationally in 1882 and came into existence in the era of rapid industrialization and urbanization. And specifically, the holiday was designed to herald and thank the working man, and by the mid-20th century, the working woman, with parades and union rallies and so forth. Now, of course, it also came with a little bit of a tinge of revolutionary politics. I mean, labor organization, urban uprisings dating back to the mid-19th century in Europe. Um, This was also behind Labor Day. And, of course, the Soviet Revolution of 1917, although occurring in a country that was still largely agrarian, championed the vision of the Stakhanovite factory worker. Class warfare was in the air, and the future seemed to belong to the industrial laborer. So you fast forward to the early 21st century, and, you know, there's some great breakdown here of labor statistics. Workers in industrial manufacturing still exist today, but they actually represent a shrinking portion of the total labor force. Here's an example. In 1910, workers in construction, mining, and manufacturing represented roughly 46% of the non-farm workforce. By 2015, that percentage... Again, workers in construction, mining, and manufacturing was down to just 14%. The service sector, by contrast, went from 38% in 1910 to 77% a century later. Now, remember, this doesn't represent the uh, non-farm, or represents only the non-farm workforce. It's important to remember that agricultural workers who toiled equally hard as factory employees comprised a substantially larger percentage of the workforce in 1900. That was roughly 41% of the total workforce. Then today, 2%. Wow. So interesting background on Labor Day. Um, Anthony Gill asks, is it time to rethink, maybe rename Labor Day? In fact, he floats the idea, what about Capitalism Day? I know there were some people that have some real problems with that. Ah, we hate capitalism. (laughs) Okay, how about Market Freedom Day? We could celebrate all those who participate in the process of the market, from the humblest of bartenders to the wealthiest of bankers. We all matter in what we do for each other. It's the most inclusive way to celebrate the dignity of those who peacefully and productively use their talents to the benefit of others. So there's one thought. And then there's another one here. This is from John Tamney, who actually suggests maybe what we need to have instead of Labor Day is Free Enterprise Day. In fact, he's like, you know, capital and capitalist are kind of dirty words with just too many people. We already have enough holidays. So he says, I don't know if we need to reduce economic output by skipping another day of work. But with Columbus Day right around the corner, he says, I'm I'm pondering that holiday as well. It became controversial because, let's face it, Columbus can be tied to some really unpleasant things that happened soon after his discovery of the New World. He says, I get that. On the other hand, Columbus was also one of the greatest risk-takers of all time. He basically went around Europe seeking venture capital to back a crazy idea that he could access spice-rich Asia in the East by heading west and save time in the process. Now, he was ridiculed by the groupthink experts of his day who told him the voyage would take far longer than he believed that he and his crew would end up as shark food if he tried. So naturally, he asked a lot in return. If he succeeded, he would get 10% of all revenues earned henceforth from the trade route he proposed. 
plus a very cool title, Admiral of the Ocean Sea. Portugal rejected him, so did Spain, twice. He even asked the Ottomans to no avail. Finally, on the third go-around, only after he threatened to go to France, or to appeal to France, Ferdinand and Isabella of Spain finally provided the backing he needed, and the rest is, well, history. So John Tamney says, here's my crazy idea. We retain the second Monday of October as a federal holiday, but we just rename it Free Enterprise Day or Entrepreneur's Day. It could be used to remind everyone of two realities that so many people just don't seem to understand. The first is that getting rich doesn't just happen to people. It requires a willingness to take a risk. And the second is that in becoming successful, entrepreneurs create far more wealth for others than they accumulate for themselves. So our schools, for instance, could celebrate Free Enterprise Day by devoting some time to teach about the nature of risk-taking and how it benefits everyone, not just the wealthy. Students could learn all about famous entrepreneurs like Columbus or Elon Musk, Andrew Carnegie, Steve Jobs, Jeff Bezos, but also less famous visionaries as well, like Madam C.J. Walker, Robert, well, I don't even know how to say his name, Una Yu, <laughs> and Robert L. Johnson. These folks had shortcomings, just like the rest of us. But too few of us possess their vision and their courage for which they should be admired. So Free Enterprise Day might just inspire a few more. I think this is actually a, a really good thought. And by the way, I'm looking here and realizing I totally misread John's name. It's not John Tamney. It is John Barry. And I apologize for that uh, for that oversight. I'll have a link to this in the show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com. There always will be articles and, uh, and different uh, essays that I won't have time to get to in the show itself. But I post them there for your opportunity to follow up, to read. I assume you're doing your own homework, or at least you're doing what you can to own your own worldview. And I strongly commend it. Somebody's got to see things as they are. Why not you and me? This is The Brian Hyde Show.